Midwife calling. Hello and welcome to Poplar Opinion, a Call the Midwife podcast, where we talk about each episode of Call the Midwife one by one without spoilers. I'm Jan Moffat. I'm Dr. Paul Moffat, not that kind of doctor. And this week we are talking about the eighth and final episode of season six of Call the Midwife. This episode was directed by Sid McCartney and written by Heidi Thomas. We last saw Sid McCartney last week, he directed last week's episode. And we last saw Heidi Thomas last week, she wrote last week's episode. Uh, she also, of course, is the showrunner, so... Uh, is involved in the production of every episode, but this is the team that uh, made last week's episode, and they're back again this week. Jan, would you like to take us through the recap of this episode, please? sure would. Mature Jenny narrates about uncertainty in the future as we see Val weigh a new baby. At Nanatus, the nuns and nurses gather for lunch and discuss the new contraceptive clinic opening that week. Barbara gets a letter from her father who will be leaving for New Guinea for three years. She later tells Tom that it was her dream to have him perform the wedding. At the clinic, Sheila is moody and lashes out at Trixie, so Phyllis takes her aside to encourage her to be done with work and also keep her appointments and make decisions about who and where she'll have the baby. In Violet's shop, a woman named Wilma arrives and chats with her about working and not having any more children. Later, she gets a packet of birth control pills at at the new clinic, where they tell her how to take it and that she can keep it confidential. Barbara announces to everyone that she'll be getting married in three weeks so her father can officiate, and all hands are on deck. All right, so, um, Sheila's gonna have a baby! Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna just mention the voiceover like last week's Heidi Thomas usually writes good voiceovers but the last two weeks have been like meh yeah so there's not much to this one just to say that out loud um do you want to start I am guessing with Sheila because that's where Um, you did start (laughs) no I'm more like this is an episode where it's our people like it's Barbara getting married it's Sheila having a baby there's no we see Val weighing a baby at the beginning here but the only birth we see is Sheila's. The yeah. only other plot that's not our people is Wilma and birth control pills. But a lot of this episode... Well, and Wilma's plot is a pretty substantial it one, It is though. a pretty substantial one. But a lot mm. of the... I think because it's the final episode of the season mm. or series, uh, then we're really kind of catching up and draw and concluding all of our our people that we love and know. Right. Let's talk... Let, let's do talk about Sheila. Sheila yeah. has been... Like, her pregnancy has been most of this season. Mm-hmm. In fact, all of this season, right? We found out she was pregnant the first episode of yep. the season. Uh, it was hidden behind maybe she's still sick from South Africa. So it was the first regular episode of the season. Yeah, exactly. So uh, her pregnancy has lasted the entire season and she, you know, had scares, but now she's doing well, but she still is, uh, as we saw in some previous episodes, she's a bad patient. Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) I like her, two things, I like her snapping (laughs) At uh, uh, Trixie. Trixie for, like, it's not Trixie's fault. Uh, she's snapping at her and then crying. Yep. <laughs> and Trixie's like, I'm not going to take this personally. <laughs> and then Phyllis is like, I'd like your opinion on a mother who's not doing as she ought, which mm-hmm. is clearly her herself. And Phyllis is great in this little exchange. We haven't seen, I mean, um, I'm jumping, sl- I'm, I'm preempting slightly uh, that we haven't seen a whole lot of Phyllis and uh, Sheila having a, a particularly a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just like, we'll talk about it again after the next recap, but like, to no spoiler of the episode, Sheila does not choose Phyllis as her... Uh, personal midwife and Phyllis 
is setting up here that she wants to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's acting as her midwife. She is acting as, mm-hmm. you know, a caring, uh, particularly giving her care and help and advice and and support. Um, so this is this little scene is really, though, the only reason, I think, why Phyllis would expect that Sheila might choose her. <laughs> yes, that's true. I do... Uh... <clears throat> Like, Sheila throughout this episode is, and throughout, I think, the last episode as well, is, like, she cannot be a good patient because she knows too much. And also she feels like because she knows too much, she doesn't need to follow uh, what the normal advice that she would give to her patient. So that comes up again and again in this episode. And I just think it's a a good character note. And it's kind of adorable, too. (laughs) And the thing that uh, Sheila is lashing out at Trixie about is the contraceptive patients coming in a different entrance. Mm -hmm. So do you want to talk about that? That's one of the, like, Wilma's plot, but also, like, the whole plot for the whole community. There's a contraceptive uh, clinic now attached to the uh, clinic. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a conversation at the table about, like, uh the um women coming in the separate entrance and Trixie and uh Val especially and then here later Sheila are all like this is ridiculous why are they coming in different entrances and sister Julianne is like kind of playing it close to the chest a bit but obviously she doesn't think it's that bad an idea mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of all this? Yeah, I think it's funny because Sheila's reasoning for not coming in the side entrance has very little to do with, like, the shame of needing a contraceptive clinic, but more the logistics of them not coming in the right entrances and then fouling up her uh, record, keeping. record keeping and stuff. But really, what Val and... Trixie are upset about is like making them feel like this is something that's wrong like that they shouldn't be seeking out contraceptive help when they and it's something to be shamed shameful about and it's interesting that they're entering in the same entrance as their unwed mothers that that they feel like should do feel shame but they want to make sure that the women seeking contraception don't feel that shame because and because the rules have are that they have to be either married or about to get married. So it's not the kind of shame that it's hard to like, uh, say it exactly. Like, yeah, I mean, there there should be no shame, but there is shame. Two things. One, this is the first that I'm aware of. Have you noticed the unburied mothers coming in a separate entrance? That isn't really a plot point that we've had yet, no. We've often had mothers coming in and, like, during their exam, like, sometimes sheepishly, sometimes boldly being like, I ain't got a fella, like, Mm -hmm. whatever. And we have always seen from our medical professionals, like, that has no effect on the care you will receive or your medical details, right? Mm -hmm. Whether they're nurses or nuns, we've always, I don't think we have once seen our characters be like, you're unmarried and pregnant? Mm, you're talking about unmarried and pregnant. This is talking about unmarried mother. So they've already had the baby. Right. And therefore, possibly other neighbors are looking at them and judging them and all that stuff. Okay. So I feel like that's a separate thing. But then, but then, as you say, right, the uh, Trixie and Val talking about how the uh, women coming in for contraception shouldn't be ashamed. And then we don't push on from them like unmarried mothers also shouldn't be ashamed. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. The, the rules, the rules of contraception are that they have to be married or soon to be married to get it in the first place. So they all of them are above reproach and shame because once you're married, you can have sex if you want to. And if you don't want a baby when you're having sex, that's allowed. Yeah. <laughs> and the unspoken thing is that like, if you aren't married or about to be, well, maybe there's something to be ashamed of. But in mm-hmm. this case, there isn't. Yeah. And uh, unspoken in this episode, but... I don't think this is spoilery to say, uh, I expect 
that it will be spoken eventually. But Sister Julienne is like, I'm not so sure that uh, even for married people, contraception is something that is uh, that I'm on, entirely on board with. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. Like, she's medically on board with, but she's like, maybe there should be a little hesitation. And the unspoken thing that, like, well, I'll have to make up my own mind is like, do I want to be as... <laughs> I mean, again, to, like, put things really bluntly, as a nun, am I encouraging people to have sex, even if they're married? I'm a little uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. And so, like, pro- sex is for procreation. If you're having contraception, should you be having sex at all? I'm not sure because of my religious perspective. Mm-hmm. And that is, yeah, the fun, like, so much of the crux of conflicts in this show is the religious sisters and and the midwives and how they interact and their viewpoints on the world is going to be fundamentally different. Mm-hmm. The, the men have been buying contraception from the barbers for years is also a thing. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a, uh, like, thing I was aware of. I knew, like, barber and dentist is combined. I didn't know of the, like, that as a thing at all. Yeah. This is total news to me that you go to your barber to get a condom. Who knows? There's, like, <laughs> men have been acquiring condoms in the weirdest places for years. <laughs> Is it any weirder than a vending machine in a public bathroom? I don't know. I don't know. My favorite condom uh, um, trivia is that the condom was invented by Henry VIII. An That's early, not true. It's not really true, but an early one was, uh, there's evidence that he... Uh, Developed an early one. Which is hilarious because he was desperate to have children. Why would he want a condom? <laughs> because he was desperate to have children with his wife. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> there's a little kind of blink and you'll miss it moment in this beginning where um, Delia doesn't get a letter from uh, Patsy yes. and is sad about it. Mm-hmm. And there's not much more to it. She just still is pining and mm-hmm. still has heard nothing. But yep. someone who does get a letter in this section is Barbara. Yes. So we knew we've known all along her father is a vicar. And of course, her dream was to have him perform their wedding. We should mention here that your mom was a priest and performed our wedding. She was. So She did officiate and married us. Yeah. It is lovely to have a parent do that honor for you. And of course... Uh, it just speaks to Barbara's character that she didn't know, didn't dream of who the man would be, but she knew that her husband would be, that she knew that her father would be performing the ceremony, and now she has the man, and now maybe her father won't be able to perform the ceremony, and that's upsetting. He's going to Papua New Guinea for three years, yeah. which is a long time. Uh and Sister Monica Joan makes some like weird racist comment about them eating people. Uh, yeah, you it's know it's not a great Sister great. Monica Joan moment. Um, there's uh, evidence to suggest that it's uh, they're not apocryphal. I'm like, is there? <laughs> no, yeah. no, certainly not. But so that's a low moment from Sister Monica Joan. But we're on Sister Monica Joan. Her uh, her diatribe against crumpets. <laughs> <laughs> I shall not partake of crumpets, for they are too multicellular and too spongiform. I love, I haven't had a crumpet in years. I love them being multicellular and spongiform. Exactly. Crumpets are like English muffins, but more so. Yeah. Um, and in this case, they are too cold. <laughs> They've just been toasted. Grace was said betwixt their toasting and presentation, and it was a very long grace. <laughs> what? This is a little weird Mr. Monica Joan moment that has no relevance on anything as far as I can tell, but is lovely and I, yeah. I like it so much. Her, like, New Guinea is peopled by cannibals is a bad, yes. a bad uh, take. take from her. Mm-hmm. So moving on from the contraceptive clinic uh, a little bit is Viol- we meet Wilma, who is the beneficiary of the contraceptive mm. clinic but she also she goes to violet shop and it's nice to see violet as a have a bit of a plot in this episode mm-hmm. she is uh 
getting hot flashes from menopause, poor thing. Um, and Wilma is selling, uh, I can't remember the name of the company. Do you have Constanza. It Constanza. So it's basically, it feels like undergarments and she's, uh, it seems a little like Mary Kay or Avon or something along those lines where she's going around door to door and selling to women and this is how she's going to make her money now that her child is over a year old. Yeah, Constanza she's corsets is what corsets. she's selling. Yeah. And she's a saleswoman, but also, like, it does seem very Mary Kay, but it's like she's a, a consultant. Yes. A, cors- cors- a corsetry consultant. Um, Man, what I loved for a woman to just come to my door and measure me for, like, my bras and stuff, not to have to go to a store. Like, come on, bring this back. Man. And if it's someone who, like, <laughs> you know from the community who is, like... An expert in, like, bra fittings? Yes, please. Like, um, let me know in the comments if you <laughs> would agree with that. Paul doesn't have a say because he's a dude. Yeah, I have, I have no opinion. <laughs> um, I do, you know... For all kinds of things, uh, uh, house calls are nice. Yeah, exactly. Violet is uh, going through menopause, and Wilma's the one who notices, who like suggests mm-hmm. it to her. Um, and then we see Wilma go and uh, get contraceptive pills. There's like, but she doesn't want her husband to know, and that's the main yeah point here. The kind of two things in that section. The one are that really stood out to me are like, is it like a bank account? Do I have to get my husband's permission? Mm-hmm. Which we've talked about recently, but yeah. like, geez, Louise. Yeah. Uh, and no, it's your body. It's your pills. He doesn't even have to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, the the, I'm just. It's good that uh, women should be allowed to take their own medicine themselves. It is absolutely wild that, like, you can take your own medicine, but you can't have your own money. Yeah, exactly. Like, what? Anyway, but the other thing is there is a bit of uh, mild foreshadowing that the doctor says, these pills work if you take them every single day. Don't take them just after you've had sex. Uh take them regularly every day no matter what and she's like oh i know all about that i've read all the books um and that's Mm -hmm. just it's not like it's just a little mild foreshadowing that like something about taking the pills regularly is gonna come up and it does Mm -hmm. it is interesting to think uh i mean i'm sure people maybe still think this but the idea of taking a pill every day to prevent uh, conception and like for anything was not as common, you know, the idea of like, okay, well it prevents pregnancy. Therefore I'm taking it when I'm mm-hmm. having sex, but no, it's like, this is just a constant, you're going to constant state of infertility is what the pill is doing. Mm-hmm. And that concept was a little bit tricky to get your mind wrapped around when it yeah. first came out. Do you want to, I mean, I assume most people listening have a basic uh, sense, but do you want to give like a thumbnail picture of how the pill works? Um, I mean, it works with its estrogen, basically, which uh, stops, the a- uh, stops a woman from releasing an egg to be fertilized. So that is what will come up later as to what... Uh, happens to Wilma but it's a yeah it has to do with hormones and estrogen yeah it's just like the only part that I think is worth mentioning for the sake of this show is just that like it's hormonal and it has to do with how your body is working day by day for ever yeah it's so it's hard to imagine like this wasn't all that long ago that the only methods of birth control were all barrier. Mm-hmm. Whereas it, it's, it's so uncommon for anyone to use any barrier these days other than condoms. And and much more common for women to be on any kind of hormonal mm-hmm. birth control. She, there, she, met, she talks about a, a contraceptive douche. Yeah. Which like, 
I mean... No spermicide would work a bit, but not super well. I don't... I'm not that kind of doctor or a woman, but that doesn't sound great. <laughs> no. Unpleasant. I... When I was in high school, my the sex ed we had in, like, grade nine, I think was really uh, comprehensive about contraception. And I, what I really remember was spermicide was like 80%. It was not good. Hmm. You do not use that. <laughs> but, I mean, 80% is better than 0%. But, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Um, so, what else? In this section, I think we've covered everything. Should I move on to the next? Yeah, I think we can thing? move on. Oh, I guess the fact that Barbara's getting married in three weeks. Oh, yeah. They're going to throw we... it all together. <laughs> that did happen in this section, but yeah. really we'll talk about it next, I think. Yeah. So Dr. Turner is happy that Sheila is done with work, but worried when she chooses to birth at home. Trixie is serving for a week at the female medical ward in the hospital, so the other nurses are set to work covering for her. But not before Sheila enters to tell them that she has chosen Sister Julianne to deliver her baby. In a montage, we see Wilma happily working and taking birth control pills, Barbara and Barbara preparing for her wedding. Violet gets a new corset from Wilma to help with menopause, as she has been struggling. Barbara goes to the contraceptive clinic to be fitted for a diaphragm, and Sheila tells Patrick he can't be in the room while she gives birth. <laughs> He's sad, but supportive. Barbara chooses Phyllis to be her bridesmaid. Wilma and her husband argue about purchasing new furniture with her earnings. Christopher asks Trixie to meet his daughter, Alexandra. She hesitates, but ultimately accepts. Barbara struggles to make her wedding dress and falls asleep while making it, so all of the nurses pool their funds together so she can buy a dress. Delia misses Patsy and drinks at a bar. Mm. Do we want to start with Barbara again? Mm -hmm. I feel like uh, she, like, as we said at the end of the last uh, recap section, she they decide to plan their wedding in a rush, mm -hmm. have it in three weeks so that her father can officiate. And this yeah. section is a lot of, like, that's not easy. <laughs> no. Well, what I wonder is, they've been engaged since South Africa, so for a while, had they not... They hadn't set any kind of date at this point. Like, what was their plan for when they were getting married? They had done... Nothing? Nothing, it well, feels if you like. Think, if you think about that Sheila gets pregnant... like Yeah, it's been nine months. So it's been at least nine months, or it's been exactly nine months, or like within a couple of yeah. weeks of nine months, and they have made zero plans, and then they're like, well, it's three weeks, let's go. Yeah. I mean, I guess they want to, who knows, they wanted to have a long engagement. They, it's... Uh, but not a three-year engagement. Yeah, but not a three-year engagement. They, um, Barbara is a working woman, mm -hmm. and so I can see maybe she doesn't want to, you know, leave her job right away. That kind of thing that might happen when a woman gets married. And there's been, uh, before with them, uh, and heck with Tom and Trixie uh, and then now we're talking about the same thing with Barbara's father that like money is a concern mm -hmm. they don't have mm -hmm. a ton of money her father doesn't have a ton of money uh, Tom did not go into the curacy for the money No, uh, I don't know I don't think we have a real clear sense of how well uh, midwifery pays but it's not they're not rolling in money. No, and she doesn't have to pay for her living expenses, so... They probably don't pay her as much as they would if she did, right? Mm -hmm. That's probably part of a deal. Yeah. I've, like, it's never occurred to me, actually, to think how much, how well are they paid. Not especially well. Not especially well. <laughs> We've seen Tom be not especially concerned about, like, the practical uh, niceties of a wedding... Mm -hmm. before uh and now barbara is so much better suited to him than trixie was but partly because she's not especially concerned with it either so the two of them together yeah like... it's true like no wonder they haven't made any plans they're not like that yeah yeah um she i maybe regret now saying let's talk about 
Barbara first, because one of the important things with Barbara's little story here relies on something with Sheila's story uh, that is to do with Phyllis. Mm -hmm. So maybe... um, Whatever. It doesn't matter. We can talk about it all at once. But uh, Phyllis is disappointed that Sheila doesn't choose her to be her midwife. Mm -hmm. um, But Barbara chooses her to be a bridesmaid. And that is really sweet and i love that whole moment that whole exchange that is one of the most beautiful exchanges i'm like i'm crying just like thinking about it i cried while i watched it just to have like phyllis would never imagine that she'd be a bridesmaid she feels very old maid like does not imagine like a bridesmaid is a young you know young friend that, the... But of course, Barbara has lived with her and like her whole speech about, you know, if anyone has prepared me to live with another person, it's you. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it's beautiful. It, it makes is. me so happy. Especially to think about like when Phyllis first showed up, Barbara was horrified and did, was like, oh no, I thought she was going to take her teeth out and everything. And to think how much their relationship has changed and grown to the point where she's asking her to be her bridesmaid. Oh. And the Phyllis has been irritable ever since Sheila didn't choose her and taking it out on Barbara. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's doing her Canadian Air Force exercises. <laughs> uh, and Barbara's like, can I talk to you? And Phyllis is like, no, I'm too busy. <laughs> like, be my bridesmaid. No, no, you should choose one of your friends. And she's like, I have chosen one of my friends. Yeah, it's really lovely. It is. It's beautiful. Um, And she tries to make her own wedding dress. She has all this, like, (laughs) material and this thing. And I love Val comes in and is like, I never really understood making a dress when there's so many ready-made ones. And Barbara's like, because it's cheaper, basically. Fair enough. (laughs) Which uh, Val just, like, hadn't really clued in to how, yeah. Yeah, I guess guess so. I guess so. And so they pool their money together so she can buy one, which is so sweet. And, like, and they, and of course she's like, no, 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 I can't do this. And Trixie is the one who's like, nope, you're taking this. You accept this money. Can I say it's, like, it's such a minor thing, but, like... There is such a strong uh, cliche or more than cliche stereotype of like, especially in the 60s and 50s and earlier of like women sew and that's what they do. And so I love Barbara's not very good at sewing and Val is like, I'm not even going to try. I don't do that. That is not a thing I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because we've seen Sheila do lots of sewing. Yeah. And Chummy, remember, was like an expert sewer back in the day and even uh we saw yeah like earlier seasons there was quite a bit of sewing going on it's partly like a times have changed and it's partly like a people are individuals Mm -hmm. and i like it for both of those reasons that like barbara takes on the sewing of her wedding dress because she feels like it's something she can do but it isn't yep (laughs) and val does not even try to help (laughs) at the sewing (laughs) um but they all pool their resources and give her money to buy a dress there's like a little before she comes in they're all talking quietly and if you like listen i backed up and listened uh turned up the volume and they're like i think there's definitely enough for a dress (laughs) oh i i mean it's really important that it's trixie who's handing her this money like that is. is for Trixie to be the one after she's marrying her ex-fiance. Like, that's a big deal. And I love that Trixie has, is the bigger person, is like, yeah, a big Mm -hmm. enough person that she can do this. It speaks so much to her character. Still on Barbara, the other thing that little, that happens here is uh, one of the reasons Phyllis uh, is hard on Barbara earlier is Barbara asks if she can sneak off to have she has an appointment with the contraceptive clinic and Phyllis is like no you put your patients first because my feelings are hurt um Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh Barbara is getting fitted for uh diaphragm because she's gonna get married soon and she's very exactly the ideal moral candidate that uh we would want to see like a She's not married, but she's gonna be, and she's preparing and being 
thoughtful and responsible and it's all like i don't know what more to say about it yeah like they have a little conversation her and tom (laughs) about like i've 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 taken care of all those things in the interest of frankness okay let's not talk about it anymore now (laughs) blush blush (laughs) i I love to the the conversation that she has with the nurse while she's fitting her is she's like well you know all this from being a midwife and barbara's just like it's not uh-huh. me. <laughs> like, it's different when it's me and you're shoving something up me. It's a little yeah. bit of a, like, mirror of Sheila. Yeah, exactly. That, like, what you know as a midwife is not the same as what you experience as a human. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which brings us to Sheila, mm-hmm. who is really, uh, well, first of all, she chooses Sister Julianne as her midwife. Which, of course. Of course she does. Of course she does. I think that Phyllis's upsetness over this maybe has, like, honestly, I have a hard time grasping it because I feel like, like you said, Sheila and Phyllis don't really have that strong of a relationship that we've seen. But I feel like maybe the reasoning behind it is Phyllis is seeing herself as the most senior midwife and Sheila would want the most senior midwife, the most uh, competent person delivering her baby. I think she's kind of forgotten that Sister Julianne can do that because Sister Julianne isn't out there every day delivering babies. Yeah, and we don't see, like, we have plenty of times, but Sister Julianne is not on the regular roster. No. And so she's like a uh, experienced and capable midwife, but she's not working regularly as a midwife. She's working as, like, the administrator of the clinic, of the clinic, of the practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. the, and the head of the And the head house. of the house, yeah. We, but it is, like, you know, humans are humans. People can get their feelings hurt for yeah, reasons exactly. that, are, are, that aren't logical. But, of yeah. course, Sheila chooses. Yeah, and in, in the same way as Barbara choosing... Uh, Phyllis to be her bridesmaid, Sheila choosing Sister Julianne to be her, to deliver her baby just makes perfect sense Mm -hmm. and fits in in a beautiful way. It is, to me, uh, less emotionally affecting than uh, Barbara choosing Phyllis because it's so much more obvious. Mm -hmm. Because, well, who else would she possibly choose? Yeah. They've had a special relationship. And when uh, Sister Julianne is scolding Uh, Sheila for not being a good enough patient for not doing all the things she's like she gave uh, Barbara gave you a pamphlet on breathing to relax she's like I wrote a list of things to do on it that is one of my favorite lines ever (laughs) ever is who amongst us has not (laughs) written a to-do list on a thing that's telling you to relax I mean not literally but that's just Absolutely. You have your mindfulness journal, and in it is a list of to-dos. If, if that's you, I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mercy. Um, the big other thing with Sheila is that she doesn't want... That she's, like, struggling, as you said, with being a patient and how that actually works. And what mm-hmm. she's... Uh, she decides that she she's calmer since she gave up work. She wants Patrick to be her husband and not her doctor. She wants to give birth at home and not in the uh, maternity home, but partly because she wants Patrick not even to be there. Because mm-hmm. he, if he's there, he's going to be her doctor and not her husband. And uh, husbands aren't there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, if he's functioning as her husband, he shouldn't be there. He should only be there if he's, he's her doctor. And what's unsaid... Or, like, only hinted at is we've always, we've been together with too many births where there were problems. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what's kind of unsaid, again, is that, like, uh, Sheila has been at many births where there weren't problems, but if Patrick is there, it's because there's a problem. Yes, so true. So true. So he's only present at births when they are not going well. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't want him around because... It'll make it feel like it's a bad, like things are going badly. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I immediately flash back to like first or second season before when she's still a nun and those the weird twins and the one is giving birth 
and they go outside and have a cigarette afterwards and like that is like you know the start of their relation or you know like early on in their relationship and you know that's the kind of world that they've had for birth for giving birth and like it needs to be different her having their baby together like needs to be a different situation than a medical one it needs to be an emotional one yeah do you want to talk there's kind of three other quite short little plots there's uh delia in the bar yeah um she's sad yeah, so this is the the lesbian bar that we've seen, but like once before, I can't remember. Yeah. How, like, yeah, like so that Delia and Patsy have gone there. I assume that you know, off screen, they've gone there a few times. Yeah, and Delia is just kind of like half talking to herself, half talking to the bartender. It's that's a little that's a heartbreaking scene. It's one of these moments in the direction where like it's close up on her we can't tell who she's talking to and then it zooms out and it's like kind of no one there's a mm-hmm. woman next to her who like maybe was trying to pick her up yeah uh, exactly. it's like i'm just gonna order you a cab yeah like go home and what she says specifically is i uh i say to myself that uh it doesn't matter if other people don't know you you know yourself and that's good enough but someone used to know me mm-hmm. and now it's like she's vanished Ugh. Oh my god. Um the other little thing is uh Christopher asks Trixie to see to meet his daughter. Mhm. This doesn't really go anywhere yet. It's about to. Yeah. And even when it goes somewhere it doesn't go anywhere that complicated, but like Trixie is hesitant little girls are so complicated and if they come from unhappy homes and there's this little beat hey Mm -hmm. if they come from an unhappy home they're so easy to hurt Mm -hmm. like she she I i thought that was a real interesting both line and delivery but like yeah because her parents are divorced she comes from an unhappy home uh and then they just move on from that yeah Exactly. And then the other little thing that is going to be a big thing coming up, but is we have a little bit more from Wilma. Yeah, so we see like montage of her doing well. She's taking the pill every day. Everything is hunky-dory. But then she sleeps with her husband and makes the like decision that she like makes the emotional decision that she takes several pills at once. The day after. Yeah, we see her after she wakes up. Like, they have a fight about the uh, city. I don't know if yeah. that's worth, like, it makes him feel like less of a man that she's buying furniture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's part of why she's hiding the contraception is because he has to feel like a man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but then she gets up and she, we see her shake three pills into her hand, which is like, oh, no. Yeah. Using her emotions rather than her brain, basically, in that moment. When she did read more than one book, I'm sure more than one book said, like, don't take more. Yeah, it's not necessary. Mm. All right, so moving on. Sheila goes into labor and Sister Julienne comes to deliver. Patrick can't help but call and then stand outside the door. Sheila struggles more than she thought she would and needs gas and air and then sings with Sister Julienne. Patrick joins in from the hallway and then she calls him in. He sits behind her as she gives birth to a son. Wilma collapses in her home and Trixie takes care of her in the hospital, revealing to her husband that she has a blood clot. She undergoes a tracheotomy, but it's not enough to save her. Tom is called for last rites and Trixie readies her to see her children by doing her hair and makeup before they come to say goodbye. Trixie discovers that she was on birth control pills, which led to the clot. As she and Tom walk home, she talks about how the pill isn't the miracle she thought it was. Barbara's father arrives, and Violet visits Wilma's husband, bringing hair ribbons for the daughters. Hmm. Trixie meets Alexandra and does pretty well. Violet tells Fred about her change of life and cries about no longer being the same as she was. So Reggie arrives with flowers and calls her mum. Barbara and Tom are married by her father, and he gives her advice about continuing to find joy in simple things. 
Tom uses his gambling winnings from his bachelor party to rent a carousel <laughs> for Barbara. Mature Jenny narrates about how the future brings change, and Patsy arrives home, kissing Delia and promising they will never be parted again. So, so this is the meat of the episode. I know, I like everything. Uh, this is seems like a particularly backloaded episode mm-hmm. where there's a lot of build up and yeah. then every a lot happens in this last section. Do you want to get some of the smaller things out of the way? Yeah. So Trixie meets Alexandra. Yeah, it's just a little scene in the restaurant where they're kind of, they bond a little bit. She talks about her nail polish, she talks about her bunny. It's basically it's just like Trixie's good with kids. Yeah, and we've seen that I mean actually We've seen that before. We've seen her be not so good with kids yeah. when on the like <laughs> bus ride to the <laughs> beach when the kids are throwing up and she's like, I thought this was a date with uh, <laughs> Tom back in the day. So this, I think, to contrast that, this is a better relationship where they're more suited to each other mm. and a more mature Trixie. Yes, absolutely. So not much more to it than that, though. Um we the other thing is violet she is uh yes she's going through menopause she finally because she confesses to fred like fred tries to touch her and she's just like no she's like i'm going through the menopause i don't know what that is I'm like the, <laughs> the change truth. of life have you heard uh... of it oh yeah i guess like yeah i've kind of heard of that fred visibly uncomfortable <laughs> um <laughs> but he knows what to do and that is i'm gonna call reggie and reggie's gonna bring you flowers and then yeah. reggie calls her mom for the which, first time, which is very it's sweet. very sweet. Very sweet. They're like, this little plot, this these little scenes, uh, one of the things that I think is important in them is Violet talking about how she doesn't know who she is. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a young mom, and then she was feeling like mom to Reggie, and we've seen Violet, like... When they were first getting together, it's like, I'm a businesswoman, I don't need you, I'm independent. We see a different side of her where, like, I thought of myself as one person and now I think I have to think of myself as a different person. Mm-hmm. And that ties right very directly into Sheila's story. Yes, absolutely. Um, all episode, Sheila has been... And all season, like, how do I be a patient and a midwife at the same time? And all her entire story, since mm-hmm. she she leaves the religious life, she's, like, unsure of who she is now and then. And when she is in labor and uh, Sister Julienne is helping her, they talk about it really directly. That she says, you know... You could, uh, Sister Julianne says, you could sing to help. And Sheila says, all the songs I know seem to belong to a woman I used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen, we saw also just like now and then little moments, I think, in the performance in Sister Julianne of like, Sister Julianne still feels bittersweet about Sheila. Yeah, absolutely. That like, I'm glad that you're happy and you are, you and I are close and I love and support you, but I'm, you know, this isn't who I thought you were going to be and I miss the person you used to be. And she mm-hmm. sometimes says out loud, you know, I miss our, your singing in our Compline, she has said before. And then when she asks her to sing, there's like a bit of, I think, Sister Julienne wanting her to sing because she wants her to sing, not because it's helped, like, for Sister Julienne's sake. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, and when they, when Sheila says, like, I don't know who I am, the, the, all my songs seem to belong to the person I used to be, to the woman I was before, uh, Sheila, the religious sister, Sheila who thought she'd never have a child, mm-hmm. uh, Sister Julienne says, you still are all those people. Every woman alive is the sum of all she ever did and felt and was. And that's like also a statement to Vi. Yeah. And to Barbara. Like it's uh, Mm -hmm. one of the thematic statements of the episode, I think. Uh, And even of the show. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And she says... uh, (laughs) 
Sheila, how did you know that? How do you know that? And Sister Julianne says, I wasn't aware that I did until just now. <laughs> Which I can, Sister Julianne, I can relate to things come out of your mouth and you're like, huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you are like that a That's lot. That's <laughs> like basically how I, uh, not, not really. That is uh, partly how I teach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a structure when I'm teaching on campus, uh, university students. I have a structure and then I say things. And I'm like, oh, I just said a really smart thing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so when she sings, Patrick joins in mm-hmm. from the hallway, which I love. That moment is beautiful. The two I love it. Them singing together and him singing to her. And and she's just like, oh, just come in. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not like other couples. We're us. And like, yeah, exactly. Like they have not had a normal, from the very start, not a normal, you know, standard relationship. It's been yeah. unusual. And so... Of course he needs to be there. and But he's not at the uh, business end of the bird. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's, you behind, know, her, he's yeah. behind her. He's supporting her. He's being yeah. much, He's being very different than we've ever seen him in a birth before. And that is the key part of this is he's going to be there in the room. But he, he also doesn't want to be the doctor he's doing there. the wrong thing. He gets to be the husband and the father yeah. supporting her and, you know... And I love, too, that she's not handling it as well as she thought she would. No. She needs the gas. And she's like, I, I recognize that you're opening the the, <laughs> the um, case for the gas and air. Like, I recognize the sound. And yes, I am. And she knows everything. She's just like, I did not think that I would be, you know, the struggle, the struggling mom. I thought that I would. I thought I'd be braver than this. Braver than this. I thought I'd be braver than this, and Sister Julienne says, it's nothing to do with bravery or common sense. The baby's head is sitting on your cervix. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's your body. Um, Do you... uh, I don't remember. Did they gas you? (laughs) (laughs) For uh, our oldest birth, Right at the end, I was struggling and asked for gas, and they gave me. I think I maybe took two breaths of it, but it right. was. It was because uh, they were like, "I don't know if you're ready to push," and I was like, "Very much ready to push." Mm-hmm. And so, when by the time they got it for me, it was like, "Oh, it's pushing time," and pushing was. I didn't need gas and air for that, or whatever mm-hmm. they called it. It's different. They don't call it gas and air here. No, it's called. No, I can't remember even what it's what it was called. Anyway. Yeah, nitrous oxide. Yeah. Um, the baby is. is born, and it's a son, yeah. and it's beautiful, and she, and Sister Julienne blesses the baby. Yes, oh, I that love also that is a beautiful too. moment, too, is that Sister Julienne gets to bless her baby as soon as it's born. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's different, too, that they lift the baby, and they give it directly to Sheila. They do not do that in other births. <laughs> they always give it they to the baby. Always gi- or... They always, like, cut the cord, give it a little cleanup, here's the baby. Like, it's not, it was, I really liked that, too, that they just, like, the baby, he was born and went straight into her arms because she knows what to do, you yeah. know? So everything about it was just a little bit different than other births, and I like the way they did that. Me too. All right, should we talk about Wilma then? Let's talk about Wilma. So she, we saw her a couple of times complaining of like a leg cramp and other things, Mm -hmm. and then in the morning she's getting ready for like the kids to go to school and is clearly unwell and then collapses um, and taken to the hospital. Trixie has been working for like a week on the ward in the hospital and so that she, mm-hmm. that's why she's there to like take care of her mm-hmm. um which that little detail is cut from the cbc version yeah, exactly. so we were when we first watched it we were like why is trixie there yeah but like it is actually explained it is actually explained um and she you know she has a blood clot it's gone to her heart, I assume. It go, it's gone to her lungs. lungs. Her lungs. That's why she needs the treatment. There's a pulmonary embolism. Yes. Yeah. So they like pain in her leg was a blood clot, and it has moved up to her lungs, and mm-hmm. she can't breathe. And they do. Yeah. They give her blood thinners that don't work, and they do a tracheotomy that doesn't work. And yeah. the like heartbreaking moment when Trixie comes out to the husband and is like, 
do you have children? He's like, yeah, we sent them away because I don't want them to see her like this. And Trixie's like, are they close by? Yeah. Bring them on. They need to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes, she goes straight from like, these are the things we're going to try to do, but then like, bring your children here because they, they are not going to work. Yeah. And they don't. And she asks him if she was on birth control pills because the doctors are saying maybe this can cause... Blood clots and... Mm-hmm. This yeah. is like, the blood cl- the Was she on birth control pills? There uh, is being some suggestion that they cause blood clots. They're trying to make a connection. When last episode we had the thalidomide, these pills that do something that mm-hmm. they aren't intended to. And then this week, like, we really are tying birth control pills to thalidomide Mm -hmm. that like they have an unintended fatal consequence the thalidomide wasn't always fatal uh but like what do you think of that yeah i i mean it's trixie sums it up with like it felt like a miracle and then it isn't necessarily and that's like Drugs can feel like a miracle, but there's always side effects. And in, you know, modern world, we recognize that. And we didn't always back then. Um, Blood clots are still uh, a uh, side effect of birth control pills, much less so than they were back then. But they're they're always going to be side effects. What do you think in terms of like show writing and directing? Uh, what do you think of the decision to have her take triple up on the pills? Yeah, I think that uh, is maybe them trying to say, you know, like this is part of it. Part of it is taking too many at once could lead to the blood clot. I don't know. It's exactly. like it's her like the implicit statement is that it's her own fault, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Right after the episode bit. about thalidomide, where, like, the medicine does things, how could we possibly know? Yeah. Then we have, like, take only one, and she takes three, and then she dies. Yeah. And I think, like, they're trying... I suspect that what the show is trying to do is not uh, give the message that, like, birth control pills are fatal, be afraid of them. Yeah, exactly. They're trying to be careful about that kind of messaging. But they do do, like accidentally i think give instead the message that like if you have uh bad effects from birth control pills it's probably because you're doing it wrong yeah i guess i don't know i'm just like i was a little unsure about Hmm. that but like yeah i don't know whether it would have been better to have it be for no reason that's a real scary uh message Mm -hmm. exactly um they in the, just a, a little bit of the medical aspect of it, in the 60s when the pill came out, they were very high in estrogen and there were, consequently, women would get blood clots and whatnot. And then in the 70s, they lowered the estrogen by quite a bit and that has made blood clots much, much rarer. It's a rare side effect, mm. it's called. Um, and when you... Uh, get birth control pills at the doctor, if it's a good doctor, they do quiz you on, you know, hmm. your uh, blood pressure and all that stuff. They take your vitals to know if you're more likely to have a blood clot. So mm-hmm. this is so such maybe a uh, obvious mundane observation, but just like risk management and medication that mm-hmm. like, I just recently, uh, saw a doctor about like pills for a toenail problem and she was like it looks like this problem but we're gonna do all the tests because the pills to fix it aren't benign mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> and it's a good thing that she did because it wasn't the problem that we thought it was yep i don't know why i'm being cagey because it's gross yeah exactly don't talk about it i don't want to hear about it anymore <laughs> <laughs> but uh that like it's such a minor example of like this pill could fix it, but only if it's the real problem and it isn't benign. Mm-hmm. It's worth it if it is the problem, but not if it isn't. And that, like, it's the same, uh, not the same, but, like, there are side effects that can be really serious. And you, I don't know, medicine. medicine. I don't really know what I'm driving at. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of Trixie doing her hair and makeup before her children see her? 
I think it's sweet. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that her husband said is he didn't want the kids to see her because she looked so bad and they'd be scared. Mm-hmm. And she was, uh, Wilma was as, uh, I think it's uh, uh, Vi who says, always looked so smart mm-hmm. that she... She's a put-together person. She's a put-together person and that, like, Trixie, I think it's uh, kindness. Mm-hmm. Later on, uh, Tom says, you know, you're excellent with children because Trixie mentions that there's a child involved in their, in her relationship with Christopher. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that little, t- that little walk and talk with Trixie and Tom when Tom's like, it's funny to think that it could have been us getting married. Mm-hmm. And Trixie's like, no, it's not funny at all. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> There's not much more to that. Like, I do think that it's kind of hilarious that Trixie is like, yeah, you must have a lot to do. You're getting married in two days. And he's like, yeah, everything just kind of came together. Oh, I'm, yeah. That's sure, wonderful. I'm sure Barbara would really think so. I'm not going to tell Barbara. And they have the last little thing about their, before we get to their actual marriage. I'm sorry, are we done with yeah, Wilma? With the, yeah. It's like... She dies, and it's sad, and mm-hmm. I don't know what more to say. Yeah. So, um, they have, they, like, show up, uh, at Tom's door to be like, you're having a bachelor party right yeah, now. Fred and a bunch of Fred guys. and some of the other men. <laughs> and they, like, get him drunk, and he is, like, looking rough the next day. Fred's I didn't mention this in my recap at all but Fred sleeps in the shed because he because Violet didn't want him to come home drunk and so he's like <laughs> he says Violet told me not to come home drunk and I was drunk so I didn't go home <laughs> they go like they get drunk and go gambling on dogs yeah, exactly. on dog races and like you're a curate, Tom. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Is this appropriate behavior? <laughs> Drunkenness and gambling. But uh, I, don't, I think it's quite a funny little moment. Well, it's also full circle from, if you recall, their first date was Tom won a dinner in oh, a yeah. raffle. And it was ill-gotten gains. And he takes Trixie, uh, he takes, not Trixie, he takes Barbara out with those ill-gotten gains. And here he is again with ill-gotten gains. And he buys or rents a carousel for her for their wedding. Because she mentions when she's talking about her father that mm. she wanted to go to the fair. And uh, he did the couldn't afford it but he took her to go on one ride yeah and this is like both a moment of her talking about her father and him being a loving father but also being poor because he's just uh is he a he's a parish priest not a curate he's a vicar I think he's a said. vicar yeah i don't um, know what all the differences are but uh but he's you know his pants are shabby but he put her on the uh horse on the carousel and the nicest horse and so this is like tom who is also a poor uh curate um putting her on a carousel Mm -hmm. and there's a bit of like there's a bit of i want to like head off maybe there's a bit of like paternalism and like her father took care of her and now her husband's gonna take care of her and she's still gonna be like a child but i don't think that like there there, there's a bit of that but i think it's also just really sweet that Mm -hmm. he like hears her story about something that mattered to her and then kind of reproduces it yeah um and that he uh the other thing about that first story is she says that like it's a he said he's never heard that story before and she says eventually we'll tell each other all the stories that we have and we won't have anything new to say to each other mm-hmm. I lo- that is I remember talking about that exact same thing when you and I got married mm-hmm. and we're coming up on 20 years this year and yes we have heard every story probably more than one definitely some more than <laughs> once twice three times from each other's, you know, lives. But the thing is that you keep making stories, you keep yeah. having more experiences. And so that's where uh, you may run out of your pat your childhood stories for each other, but you don't run out of 
you know, what I did today stories or conversation topics that... Or even like what I did a month ago that didn't seem important then and I didn't tell you about it when it happened, but now I see it differently. Yeah. Exactly. So just, you know, if if you're about to get married, you feel like you might run out of stories, but you don't. It's been 20 years and we're still not done our conversation that we started 20 years ago. I'm not at all tired of getting to know you. Aw, thanks. (laughs) Um... So then, yeah, that so it ends with him buying the, renting the carousel, and she rides on the carousel, and they are married, and they are... Mm-hmm. Uh, That's very sweet. The, her, Snows. <laughs> her father officiates, and they are married, and they sing happy wedding day to you. <laughs> That's really cute at the beginning of the, on the beginning of the day, yep. And, uh, um, so the, but the actual ending is... They're standing around the carousel, and in the distance is Patsy, and no one else sees her but Delia. So they can go around the corner and kiss and talk, and Patsy's like, I got on the boat as soon as he died, but it's just taken her that long to get home. Yeah. That's wild, first of all. And that she couldn't say, I mean, like, she got on the boat the day after his funeral. She couldn't write because she was on a boat. Mm Mm-hmm. And even if she had written before she got on the boat, like, would the letter have gotten there faster than the boat did? Probably mm-hmm. not. Exactly. It was just like, just the logistics. <laughs> yep, it was just logistics. Of course, of course Patsy's coming back. Like, mm-hmm. there's, there's a an aspect of, like, on a TV show, there's uh, real conflict and there's false conflict. There's, like, problems that are real and there's problems that are kind of invented where we pretend not to know things so that there can Mm. be a reason for conflict and on one hand it's like false conflict of course she's coming back but on the other hand it's completely real conflict because delia doesn't know that yeah exactly and delia doesn't know what has happened and of course she hopes that she's coming back she assumes she was coming back but she's not back yet and she misses her and she's sad and lonely and Mm -hmm. it's such a joy to see her exactly back I saw Emerald Fennel's uh, name in the opening credits of the yeah, episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew she was going to be back this episode. <laughs> um, so that's the end of this episode. What was your favorite part? It's hard I to pick. think my favorite part of the episode is Barbara asking Phyllis to be her bridesmaid. Mm. I thought that was a beautiful and sweet and touching scene. I loved it. How about you? What is your favorite part? Um, there are so many, but I think uh, Sheila singing with oh. Patrick outside the door yeah. and saying like, oh, just come in. That whole scene is wonderful. The song she sings, by the way, is Once I Had a Secret Love. And like, it's mm-hmm. true. She did have they a did secret have, love. She did have a secret love. And then now they have are married and they're having a son together mm-hmm. exactly like, but honestly there are like so many moments in this episode because because this episode is so focused aside from wilma on our main cast mm-hmm. that we already love there are i have to say honorable things. mention to reggie showing up yeah with exactly. flowers i thought that was a great little it's like such a quick little moment mm-hmm. but i love it and yeah. calling her mom and calling her mom <laughs> yeah mom with a u i always feel like it's pronounced differently in the uk <laughs> it is, it <laughs> it's is. like here's mom mom but... with a u is also what you are supposed to call the queen right <laughs> yes sort of <laughs> you don't call her mom you no, call her mom <laughs> which is not. like it's ma'am. kind of ma'am yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> <laughs> um oh the other uh, the thing is i Making a to-do list on the, the Serenity <laughs> Leaflet. It's very good. If you have a favorite part of this episode or this season and you want to tell us about it, we would love to hear it. And how can they do that, Jan? You can join our Discord channel. You can send us an email, poplar at clockworksacademy.com. You can uh, reach out to us on Twitter slash x for as long as it exists <laughs> you can uh and on us... there we are at poplar opinion we are it's all of the social media and etc are linked in our show notes so just click down below and you'll be taken directly to those places you can also support us we would love to have your support 
patreon.com slash clockworkscast where you can support us and all other endeavors that we do. Uh, that's it for me. What about you? We are done. This is the end of the season, the right. sixth season of Call the Midwife and therefore of Popular Opinion. We're going to take a short break between seasons. I always say this and I always mean it, but this time I really, really <laughs> mean it. It's not going to be a long break. Um, in the past, we have sometimes uh, solicited uh, birth stories. Um, and if you would like to send us your birth story for us to read in between seasons, we would love to do that. Um, you can send those to us in all the by email, all the places that Jan just said. Uh, if no one wa- does, we won't <laughs> do them. But if you do, I think that would be a lovely thing to fill the space between seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will be you- back with the Christmas episode in a little while, and then the season seven after that. Thank you so very much for joining us this week and this season. I've been Dr. Paul Moffat. And I've been Jan Moffat, and that's just my popular opinion. Hello, and welcome to Popular Opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just start that all over again. <laughs> ba ba da boo.